That question is so loaded, John. I don't even know where to start well, with that. Well, question. well I, I listen, guess, I guess, I guess the problem is, is. And by the way, John, I love that question. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Interesting. This is an interesting. What's the solution here? Show up, understand your part, and just crush it. Pay-per-click, social media, we can talk about all this stuff, but what really matters is patient experience, that wow factor. Startup Uncensored, the questions you have with the truths you need to hear. Now your hosts, Michael Dincio and John Bertagni. All right, all right, everybody. This is Startup Uncensored, the equipment episode part two. We're, uh, we're, we're really just continuing this conversation because it's been so good. John, Matt, thanks again for keeping this sucker going. Yeah, this was, uh, was ad lib. It, it turned into a part two or 2.1 or whatever we want to call it because what we talked about was the tangible product in number one. Now I think we should talk about you know, what the expectations are and what we should hold that equipment person accountable for, right? Because they can be a superman or a superwoman, mm-hmm. or they can just be someone that's giving you quotes. And then let's let's try and hold some accountability and give everyone the understanding of what the, the actual role of this person is. So um, Matt, as always, thank you for uh, part two of your contribution and we look forward to hearing from you and seeing you in the future too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of to touch on one thing we talked about in episode one, you know, I used, I used to tell clients and I very much believe that people don't buy products. Um, they buy a process and equipment is not a commodity. Can you buy a Belmont chair from 10 different places? Absolutely. Um, you know, you could even you can even buy it in Asia and ship it here if you want. But the question is, you know, how much of a hassle do you want to create for yourself? So, the person that you're dealing with, certainly, in, you know, an equipment rep or equipment consultant, as I'd prefer to call them, is someone that's not transactional or that isn't just going to focus on on the equipment, but rather, you know, of uh, uh, anybody in this process. Frankly, between your bank and your broker, uh, real estate, your builder, and your bean counter, they all get paid right away. You know, the equipment guy. <laughs> literally gets paid dead last and should have a vested interest in walking through this process with you. Um, you know, at least at Henry Shine, we were paid quarterly. And so sometimes if you installed an office in, you know, January, you didn't get paid on it till April, the following, you know, literally four or five months later after invoice. So that person should be right with you the whole time. Um, and somebody you can bounce stuff off of, you know, should I add another room? Is it time to upgrade CBCT? Should I do digital modeling now? That's going to be a function of the amount of crowns you're doing, right? And if you're only doing four crowns a month, you don't need digital modeling. You know, when the break evens like six to eight for that and CAD camp. So, well, I think you said it. You said it spot on there. You could buy Belmont from four different reps in your marketplace. I think, right, John? You probably. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. so isn't that the differentiator then? Right, right there is if you could buy the same chair from four different people in your marketplace why do you choose the one that you choose? So let, let's get into this. Well, and, and honestly, you know, from my standpoint, I sell it to these people for the most part, the same price, right? Yeah. So if, and, and people come to me, Hey, I want to buy it from you directly. I, I know you, I like you, you've done it. I can't do it. Right. Yep. But listeners and, and viewers, you can call me and I'll give you 
advice on things. That's, that's, I want that to be known. This is the time that you can definitely call me on stuff, but it's those four people locally. What do you want out of them? Is it only price? If it's only price and you don't want anything else, boom, that's an easy one. But if you need them to spot your job, if you need them to stand up to you, if they, if you need advice on when to add that extra op, that actually makes sense or digital radiography, any of these things, it actually, you have to spend the time to find and vet the right person that meets your personality and your project's personality. Yeah, and, and the person that you're interfacing with should be encouraging you to interview other options. I used to say, you know, I don't have any competitors. There's just alternatives because I knew that no one did exactly what I did. And I didn't want to work with someone if they were uncomfortable working with me or there was going to be some form of resentment or friction there. You know, on the same token, if anybody that thinks that they're going to retire early because they buy shampoo from Amazon versus Walmart and Target is crazy. <laughs> the wholesale price on all this equipment is relatively exactly the same, less someone buying a thousand chairs at a time. Right. right. It's going to be plus or minus, you know, three to five percent. So it, you should be dealing with someone that at least adds three to five percent more value, assuming they're you're buying at retail. I used to tell people even my goal in, in doing a new office was that even if the equipment were free, let, let me say it again. Even if one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in equipment were free, that they would say, no, I'm going to I'm going to pay for it through this guy because you know, I know that I might end up with a, a better office or in a better spot financially now and then down the road yeah, um, yeah. than not doing that. So, no, yeah, it, go on, Mike. So what is the differentiator, guys? Uh, well, what, how, like, so we're sitting here and we're saying all this, but like, what are the expectations? Let's get into what. Well, let me, let me explain. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go right into it and Matt's going to jump into it too, but it's, it's, it's actually taking those architectural drawings and, and doing overlays of the equipment, understanding the space, understanding, you know, the, the amperage. And obviously the architects and the contractors are doing that, but it's also the job of a good equipment person to step in and say, hey, we need more, we need this, or this isn't gonna work. Going to the job sites, setting out templates, you know, um, interacting with contractors, architects, okay, okay. consultants. Let's get into that more because I'm sitting back and I'm thinking, no, I don't need you. I've got the contractors and the architects and you guys will probably laugh at me because I never lived your world. I never spot checked an architect's plans and said, you're wrong. I never went in and looked at the, the studs in the wall and said, this isn't going to support a cone beam we're going to hang off here. Like I never did that. So as an outsider and I'm thinking like a layman, like probably what the dentists are thinking that are listening. What if I have a contractor and I have an architect that I'm paying thousands and thousands of dollars, why do I need an equipment guy to be the project coordinator? Let's get into that. Matt, you can take it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that person, the whoever the equipment man or woman or person is, is going to have had experiences in all those areas. Finance, is, is this doctor going to be financeable? Location, who else is going in around town? What are the demographics like? You know, is that a growing area or a dying area? Construction, good contractors, bad contractors, just like there's good doctors and bad doctors. There's 
good DSOs and bad DSOs. There's good lawyers and bad lawyers. There's good contractors and bad contractors. So, you know, you're assembling a team of people that are going to be responsible for you executing what will be the main driver of your livelihood. So A, there needs to be trust there. B, there needs to be some teamwork associated with that. Um, selfishly, I used to think the dealer, you know, maybe other than the bank, uh, was the most important person because they had the most to lose. Any, any distributor that's selling equipment, reputable distributor that sells equipment, also sells supplies. And they want to earn that supply business for the longevity of, of the doctor's career. Worth, you know, 30 years of supplies is worth way more than one or two or three new offices across the process. So, you know, who, whether it's Patterson or Shine or Benko or Burkhardt or Midwest or somebody regional, it's about that person that you're entrusting the building of your physical plant and, and of your operatory design and of the flow of your business as a whole. Um, I used to say in design and operatories, you know, we, we, we should design the practice itself from the patient's perception, what they see, what they smell, what they feel, how, you know, how many steps they're going to take during the, during the appointment. And then in addition to that, you should design the operatory from the oral cavity out, minimizing the range of motion um, and the class movements that you're making chairside. That's just going to, A, result in a much less uh, physical um, musculoskeletal injury or musculoskeletal demand and be a lot more efficient, you know, uh, through the day. So you should be starting with those things in mind. Are you so, and so hang on a second. Architect doesn't do that? Well, hang on. That's what I was just going to get into. I've had it where some architects, the actual space, the dimensions were off, right? And so that that takes all hands on deck, meaning contractor, equipment person, somewhat of the architect, but mostly this is knee-jerk reactions of, oh my gosh, we need to reallocate space to make this efficient. So that's where a good equipment person is, where they are in their keep, because they're going in there saying, oh my gosh, this swing of the door is going to hit this cabinet. This was not, you know, allocated for. What are we going to do? Yeah. And, and hopefully it's going to not result in change orders because we caught it ahead of time. Not when we're actually installing, right? Yeah. So having that person that's your side-by-side -side liaison and conduit for proper information, that's what you, even if there isn't, sometimes guys, and Matt, correct me if I'm wrong. Sometimes there's not even a price differential for a good equipment person and a bad right. one. Uh, I mean, the, the listeners, don't think you're paying extra for this shit. You're tripping over dollars to pick up pennies. I mean, the reality of the situation is, it, I used to tell every client, this is not a matter. They'd say like, what contractor do I use? Who do I go with? Blah, blah, blah. You're, and if there's two or three dental specific ones involved, they, they will have been, again, back to episode one, you know, respectfully, once you've done one, you're an expert. So if there's an equipment guy or, you know, a contractor that's done multiple practices, they will have run into issues. It's not a matter of if you're going to have a problem. It's a matter of when and how it's handled is what separates a really great experience from a really bad one. And sometimes it's the contractor, sometimes it's the equipment guy, sometimes it's the architect, sometimes it's the interior designer, and sometimes it's all of those people working together and it's a new city inspector who has, you know, a chip on their shoulder or thinks that they're God's gift to safety within that municipality and it can delay things. So having a group of people that A, have navigated those types of things before and B, can work together uh, is, is really kind of one of the most important factors. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of times the the equipment guy can hold that 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 
the piece and hold the piece together, right? So the finger pointing isn't there. Because ultimately, it, to put it into the dentist perspective, they don't care that the shade on number eight is off on the incisal edge. And they don't care that, oh, Susie had a bad day at the lab. They just want to know, is it going to be okay? Mm -hmm. And can it be fixed? And mm -hmm. who's going to pay for it, right? Those three things. Yeah, so, absolutely. And, and that's where having that team that can work together is going to work great. All I right. want to bring up a point, guys. Okay. And this is me putting on my manufacturer's hat, right? This isn't my buddy hat. This isn't the banker or the consultant hat. This is the manufacturer's hat. We as manufacturers only work with distributors that have coverage in certain areas that have service techs or equipment people that can service or sell our equipment. Why is that important? Because something that's going in the middle of nowhere where there's no service tech and all it is is here's your quote, figure it out. We don't deal with those type of you know, individuals. So one thing that we want our listeners and viewers to think about is this. You might be able to get a lower price through someone that's just selling you something, but you're losing the expertise of how this is going to get installed, how it's going to, if there's backing on the wall for that x-ray, all, you know, if there's service or if it doesn't work down the road, that's one reason to find the right partner in the right area with the right equipment consultant. Would yeah. you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, really depends on, you know, what's important to you as a doctor and the, the person that you're sitting eye to eye need to need it with should have your best interests at heart. And that's, again, not about the brand of equipment or the brand of radiography, but, you know, kind of episode one, what you want to be when you grow up and how you want to operate your business, whether you want to do one or three or five or one practice and have two or three associates and, you know, hang out with your kids three days a week. Did a lot of those as well, you know? I mean, it just depends on what, you know, you know what you want and you need to start with the end in mind and, and your team of people uh, and certainly your equipment guy or girl should be able to uh, walk you through that process. I, this is all starting to sound very high level. I, I want to get, I want to get into the minutia here. Sorry, like let's get it. I, I sound like this kind of sounds like a sales pitch I've heard a hundred times before. So I got two equipment sales guys on the phone telling me right now why they're amazing. Let's get into the minutia. What specifically, like if, if one of my clients as a consultant is working with a trusted contractor, a trusted dental architect, working with a decent consultant, a decent CPA, a decent banker, they're headed down a path of probably less pitfalls than most. And, and most clients are, are going down that path. What can an equipment rep provide if all of those pieces are in place specifically? And what I mean is, is are you showing up at the job site? Yes. Like, what is the specifics? Let's get into it. Yeah, that's going to the, the weekly construction meetings, 100%. Making sure that they send their you know lead tech that's going to be doing the actual install. That's pretty damn important that the first day on the job, they're not, hey, I haven't seen this place. Give me an idea of, you know, walk me through it, right? Matt, you've had that. And by the way, it doesn't matter what company you work for. That stuff still happens. Yeah. And different companies handle it different ways. I mean, specific to construction, um, we went through a lot of growth at Henry Shine. When I, when I started, Shine was not the largest player in the North Texas area. And 
by the time I left, I think we were doing more than the majority of our competitors combined, just in terms of volume. But that required change and and skills and operational uh, management within the company. So some equipment guys do that stuff on their own. Other entities have a lead technician that'll that'll manage that for them. I know some companies down in the Austin area um, that literally have a project coordinator for the entire store, and they're sole job is driving office to office yeah. and checking on the, you know, the progress of construction and looking at plans and looking at uh, standard operating procedure paperwork and making sure, I mean, even in those instances, something's going to go wrong. It's equipment, it's construction. There's a lot of factors, you know, call it, you know, orbital reconstruction or, you know, uh, a facial trauma case. You got to have a plastic surgeon involved. You got to have, you know, maybe a neurologist involved. You're going to have a general dentist restoring that. And you might even have a dermatologist doing, you know, laser therapy at the end of it. So there's a lot of, it's, it's invariably those folks have to work together. Uh, and the equipment piece of that, you know, a lot of times we'll be able to catch some red flags or see that sooner rather than later. So, so what you're saying, give me a story, Matt, give me a story of how you caught something when you had all the right players in place, like the right architect, the right, you know, contract, you had all the right people in the industry that also have hundreds of projects, right? You have all the right players, but Matt, the equipment guy, and you know, this is a moment where you can, you know, make yourself feel pretty good, but you caught something that the rest of the team didn't as the equipment guy, like, give me an, give me a story uh, that, that resonates. I mean, one, one thing that happens often is the doctor may have an opinion on like who they want to use for a certain area of the project. Like I used to say people would like, Oh, my, my brother-in-law is an accountant or my, I've had a relationship with my local bank forever, or my family member does construction. And what I used to say is, are you friends or family with that person now? Of course, <laughs> you want to be friends or family with that person when you're done then don't use them. Like, like literally it's just so there's so many things. So one thing that came up is some of the, the ADA rules in the state of Texas changed. And, you know, I, not every doctor used a dental specific contractor uh, and some doctors had an architect, but you know, if it's an architect in Fort Worth and we're doing a project in you know, Prosper, Texas or Frisco, Texas, um, the ADA laws as the state had adopted them had changed. And because I was doing about an office a week for literally about 10 years, you know, we'd had this come up on two or three other projects where dental specific contractor, Henry Schein did the drawings, you know, I sold the equipment and we went through that whole process, but the inspector at the end had to literally, you know, move a pull rail on, on something in the restroom or tile it differently because the code has changed. And then, and just now it was adopted. Um, another thing that was big is I was a really big fan of um, water purification systems. You could do, you know, a whole podcast on that, frankly, and the bacteria that exists in dental lines and stuff like that. So I'd always sell some protocol for water purification systems. But there's some codes with backfill prevention and, you know, the Vista Research Group used to literally have documentation we could provide to inspectors and say, no, this is actually what universal plumbing code calls for. You're interpreting the code wrong. And here's the data to support that. So give the doctor a certificate of occupancy. Hmm. interesting so you're catching stuff that the architects don't necessarily have the expertise to catch well, hang on the the other piece is you know you saw cut the floor right the concrete floor and you spot it well guess what happens you spot it with spray paint but when they're saw cutting dust goes all over the place and they miss something and it comes up short the job of that particular equipment rep should be after the saw cut is in place, go back again, double check that where this plumbing is going to go is exactly where it needs to be. 
because guess what? All your spray paint is gone because they took out the floor where these, this plumbing is going to be and they're going to guess. So it's your job to go back, either put a rod in there. I used to do tie rod and just put it in there or, you know, spray paint again. Now, now we're talking about something like that, that <laughs> hey, now, th no, I'm, I'm being serious like that. That isn't that the difference between this guy in the market, this guy in the market who can all sell Belmont. That's that yeah. difference is does that guy show up and put those rods where it needs to be so that nobody screws up in step 20 of the construction project, right? Well, because what happens, guess what it costs to re-saw cut or redo the floor or, I mean, it's insane. Mm -hmm. it's insane. Well, and, and, you know, that brings up a, gr a great point. Uh, my mentor was a guy by the name of Mike Dutes in Southern California, godsend of a man. He's, he, he had been selling equipment longer than I'd been alive when I started, literally. Um, and one thing, the, the one thing he taught me was the number one mistake made by equipment guys or girls is where the utilities come up for the chair, whether that's an electrical outlet or compressed air or vacuum or whatever. If that location, if you picture an operatory laterally, you've got the inside of the wall where the 12 o'clock is and you've got the toe wall. Where that chair location or that electrical outlet location is, every single chair is different. So if it's two, three inches off, I guarantee you every doctor has experienced this as an associate or even in their own office, God forbid. If it's three, it's, it's more than two or three inches off closer to the 12 o'clock, they will never be able to get in between the head of the patient and the 12 o'clock. <laughs> or if the cabinet is a 24 inch countertop built by a contractor and not a dental cabinet that's 16 or 18 inches deep, you will never be able to get around the head of the patient. That's invariably going to cause them to raise their arms and create more musculoskeletal stress in the neck and in the head and in the back because it wasn't done right. I used to tell people, you know, I want to make sure that either if you gain 200 pounds or have an associate that gets pregnant with triplets, that you're still going to be able to work at 12 o'clock and maybe even cheat around to two o'clock around the chair. So you brought up, then that's, that's brilliant. And, and Mike's a great person and he's, uh, he's an icon also, but um, you brought up a great point in, in terms of dental cabinetry and, and Mike and I were having a discussion before this, you know, prepping for the, today. Um, but talking about dental cabinetry, you brought up a great point. Because some rooms are, you know, the, the, the true dollars and cents of a dental practice is the actual lease and how much you have spatial dimension within the lease. You know, yep. Mike, I think, is going to be talking about utilizing space and how important it is to ma majorly use the space because that's the biggest dollar amount, your lease and how this, this, the efficiency of the practice is, is going to be set up. So when we talk about having a 11 foot op with a 24 inch cabinet that is standard, you know, from a contractor. Well, guess what? It's not going to work from an ergonomic standpoint, you know, and I can speak from Belmont standpoint, we can get all the way down to a, you know, 12 inch deep cabinet in the back if we want. I mean, it can, we can make it whatever we want because it's CNC, like we build the stuff to spec. That's important. And it lasts a long time. And um, you know, and I know that contractors can go in there and they can grab that. And that's always taken off the contract, uh, you know, from Mike's perspective as a consultant, Hey, let's take that off because it's too much money. Well, actually it's not that much money in the end because there's electrical in involved within it. There's actual ergonomics. There's sometimes lighting and there's outlets, there's all sorts of stuff. So talk to me about that, because I think that's important. And, and this is the nitty gritty that we're talking about, you know, how do we allocate money? How do we have longevity? How do we have 
ergonomics and how do we have workflow? And that's the real guts of an operatory, a clinical standpoint. John, are you going on record right now to our listeners Yeah, that cabinetry is the best ROI for a practice? <laughs> no, I, but I'm, I'm saying no, but I'm saying don't get that off the list right from day one. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Because, because here's the thing. If, if, hang on a second. A, yeah, you can bust my balls. I don't give a shit. Listen. <laughs> If a contractor is selling you, you know, kitchen grade cabinets for three grand, you know, I would punch them in the throat because that's, there's nothing to that because for an extra grand, you can get a dental cabinet that actually works. That isn't that the key, an extra grand or two, not, yeah. not 10,000. <laughs> well, keep in mind, it depends on what the client, it really depends on what the client wants. I mean, you know, I used to say, if you buy well, you'll buy once, but on the same token, some people just don't want to spend the money and that's fine. Right. And you know, there are a lot of good contractors out there that have heat fused edge banding machines, but you're not taking that cabinet to the new office when you move because it's a leasehold improvement and the landlord paid you leasehold improvements in the lease. And technically it's a physical structure, no different than you wouldn't move the front desk, right? Or you wouldn't move the break room cabinetry. So there are some tax advantages to buying that, you know, when uh, John and I started, you know, you couldn't get a dental cabinet for less than probably six to seven to eight to nine to 10 grand. And even now there are some that are 14 to 15 with sliding monitor mounts, frosted glass, and that stuff will last you 30 years. And you might move it two or three times and you can change it, you know, if you want to spend the money there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. On the same token, Belmont and DCI and a couple other manufacturers have engineered a dental product, dental cabinet product that is either half height or three quarter height or full height and maybe just has less materials in terms of the width being 36 instead of 42 um, that allow the price point to come down uh, in order to have something that a doctor can buy that's really good quality that's depreciable as a section 179 asset from an accounting standpoint um, and that you know they're going to get some good life out, out of it might not have all the bells and whistles and looks of something else but um you know, just know that, you know, designing the operatory from the oral cavity out, those dimensions and how you work around uh, in or out of the mouth, depending on the procedures you're doing, you know, can be limited by your infrastructure. So you want somebody to go through designing that with you uh, versus just saying, here's what I want or here's what I think I want. So I want to get into something here. And, you know, this is uh, this really should we, we talked about Alpha Do Omega a little bit and this is going to kind of wrap up this particular session of the, of the, of the, the category here in my mind. And, and I sat, I did some M and a work, as you know, um, what you're doing right now in, in, in practice transitions, valuations and, and such. Um, and I, and I sat with a, a specific manufacturer. It, it's one of the, the biggest ones out there. And this salesperson, now I'm calling him a salesperson because it wasn't consultative. <laughs> they, they came to me, not really knowing my background, uh, only knowing that I was, you know, doing large asset sales to DSOs, private equity, et cetera. And they brought this point to me. They said, the reason you should sell our brand of cabinets or equipment is because the practice is going to be worth more when they sell it. <laughs> what, what do you, I almost threw them out of the room, first yeah. of all. Um, Matt, you're in a new role, which I'm proud of you for, and it's, you're going to do an amazing job. What do you think of, first of all, 
get out of the room if someone tells you that, number one. But what do you say to that comment? Yeah, I mean, I would laugh. The reality of the situation is it's just not true. But to touch on that point, um, I am in a new stage of my career. And as a doctor put it the other day, you know, I help doctors give birth to 850 babies. And now I have the privilege of sending those children out into the world after college. Uh, but I just started with uh, PTS, Professional Transition Strategies. And we focus in large practice or small group practices that are either rolling up into a medium to large DSO or an investment bank or private equity. Uh, so we liaise that process and uh, phones started ringing off the hook once I started from all of my, uh, you know, good friends and clients of times past, but the world has changed. Dentistry is getting somewhat consolidated. It's never going to be 90, 10, um, but countries like Australia and the United Kingdom already do have some consolidation. That's about 60, 40. And we think that that's kind of where the market equilibrium will be. Right now, we're at about 22% consolidated uh, based on a, a most recent uh, profound accounting firm out of Dallas that's done some studies on that. So, um, yeah, it's a nice space to be in. We got a lot more younger dentists that are in their 30s and 40s that want help with the back office stuff, marketing, billing, compliance, um, strategy, um, and, and are even using, you know, either a dental service organization or an MSO or private equity as a means to scale instead of having to go get cash from a bank to do that. So, right, so, so perfect, Matt. So, so to John's point at, and now at selling practices for a living where before, like you said, you've given birth and now you're transitioning. Interesting analogy, by the way. Um, so would you, what would you tell an equipment rep saying, Hey, <laughs> You know, this cabinet's going to increase the value of your practice. It, the three of us all have acquisition experience. So we're all, we all know how li- ridiculous that is. But is there truth to it at all? I guess. I mean, I, mean, I would say marginally. Um, what, what it will do is make a, a, a practice more appealing or a practice more marketable, per se. But no financial analyst or private equity firm or dental service organization or management service organization is going to say anyone with a brain. I mean, they're not even going to care. They'll look at, do you have CBCT? What toys do you have? Lasers, digital modeling, but it is all about the EBITDA and the amount of cash that is flowing through that practice at the end of the, at the end of the year or on a calendar basis and what the goals of the doctor are down the road, whether they want to hang around or work, go do five more offices together with that entity or they, whether they want to walk away or whether they want to work three to five years. Um, that's way so, more tangible. So, so, the, so the bottom line here, you know, to, to kind of wrap up what we've talked about over these two sessions, find great quality equipment, be mindful of the spend and the quantity of equipment, find a reputable turn, uh, you know, a uh, individual or company that's going to be able to represent your vision and represent you throughout the project, be mindful of your budget and be your partner over your career, whether it's for that practice or for multiple practices. And ultimately the equipment that these people are sitting in, these patients don't know what the hell they're sitting in. And I would oftentimes tell people, Hey, I don't care if you're working out of a, you know, lawn chair, you did the dentistry in that lawn chair. And, you know, so bottom line is don't get caught up in the names. Don't get caught up. Just get good quality equipment, get good representation from your equipment person and hold them accountable. 
Yeah, and if you're looking, correct. if you're looking for you know a referral, or you want to know who in Seattle or in Chicago or in LA or in New York or in Florida um, or in Dallas, you know who the most reputable person is. John and I are probably going to know. So I can speak for myself. Just hit me up on LinkedIn, Matt Zolfo, Z O L F O, and DM me. Give me 24 hours, and I'll get back with you with the name of the person that's probably you know either the top dog in that market or somebody that might, at least might have your best interests at heart. With and the with the right said that's the key right that's it and and mike you know that's that's what this whole process is and and you know with our with our interface access to these individuals not only mike and i um but it's access to us and using our brain to make the right decisions yeah the, the amount of resources that our our folks have that we've interviewed and will interview is like you can't even quantify it so if you're not subscribing following interacting with us like you're literally missing out i, I i'm a consultant i do startup consulting people pay sixty thousand dollars for this and get yeah. you for free through this this platform and i'm is that an understatement you two is that an no not at all like, mm. so utilize it that's what the whole vision of this whole program is so so again yeah. thank you so much for your time brother john well, no. we have we had we had manufacturer rep, equipment rep, and we kind of really mixed it in, and, and it deserved a two-parter. So, thank you guys both for your contribution. Yeah, thanks guys. You got it, got it. Thanks guys. You soon. Subscribe, follow, start up uncensored. We appreciate your uh, your followership in this showgram in the showgram. <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>. bye. <laughs>